Good morning. You are listening to the Tar Devils Podcast on Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, where we talk Duke, UNC, ACC basketball. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Tar Devils Podcast. My name is Tyler Rosieri, the always objective Duke fan in this duo, and I'm debating my good friend, John. Hi, everyone. My name is John. I have been uh, a longtime fan of North Carolina, and Tyler has been my longtime nemesis as the uh, Duke fan. Uh, we're excited to get this uh, podcast going. This has been something that's been in, in the works for a while, a little bit here. Um, Tyler and I also go way back. We know each other from elementary school. Who knows when? I've been beating Tyler on the basketball court for a long time. I'm excited to beat him here in a, in a podcast setting. Basically, what this podcast is going to be about is you're going to bring, uh, or we're going to bring two different perspectives into this uh, podcast each week. I'm going to bring uh, a UNC perspective. Tyler's going to bring a Duke uh, perspective. <laughs> and we're going to be able to debate uh, ACC basketball, but especially focused in on uh, Carolina basketball and Duke basketball. So we're going to start out tonight with a little bit of a, a preview of both teams, a little transition. Um, uh, yeah, Tyler, what else do we have in store for tonight's episode? Yep, for tonight, we're going to start talking about UNC and expectations this season. Then we'll get uh, moving on and talk about Duke. Then we'll uh, end with talking about how COVID is going to affect teams this season and um, the ACC final projections as a whole. Yeah, and, you know, just to jump right into it with UNC, you'll notice right off the bat, uh, there's one thing that we uh, did not include on the agenda, did not want to discuss, and that is uh, the 2019-2020 Tar Heels. We are putting that season in the past. Um, Obviously, the season had a weird end with uh, the coronavirus pandemic shortening the ACC tournament, shortening the NCAA tournament. So technically, this North Carolina team did not miss the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So uh, keep that keep that in mind, Tyler, as you uh, as you debate me tonight. We've got a uh, this team has <laughs> an NCAA tournament streak that they're going to keep up. But you know, the reality is this team, North Carolina, last year went 14 and 19. They really fell apart for a long stretch there in ACC play. They lost seven straight games from February 1st to February 22nd. Um, the story of that 2019-2020 team was very much injuries. Uh, that's what happened a lot in the uh, stretch there in February. And uh, the new group coming in this year is going to look very different. Cole Anthony is gone off of last year's team. Uh, Brandon Robinson, a core wing player who was really counted on uh, to score a lot of points, shoot a lot of threes. He's gone to graduation. Grad transfers Christian Keeling and Justin Pierce are gone, uh, and a whole host of freshmen are coming in. Uh, Tyler, when you look back on last year's season uh, for UNC as we start to preview the upcoming season, uh, what do you think the team can learn from that uh, losing record season and take into this upcoming one? Uh, how to win for one. That would be nice as a rival. Um, finishing last place in, in the uh, ACC wasn't a good start. Um, and, you know, other than that, how to play as a team, I think, you know, it's no surprise that Cole Anthony wasn't able to win games for you guys. If you look at his final list when he was coming out of high school for colleges he wanted to commit to, 
you had Oregon and Georgetown, okay, but other than that, you had Wake Forest, Notre Dame, Miami, and UNC, all teams that did not have very talented players on that roster before he committed. So going into it, you already knew he wanted to get his stats and go to the NBA. Um, it's not really shocking to me that that didn't translate to wins. So this year, I think UNC is looking to right that wrong with Caleb Love, uh, who's actually, in my opinion, a very similar player to Cole. And his big, big challenge this year is going to be how to run a team. He's a high-volume shooter, high-volume scorer, just like Cole. So uh, we'll, we'll see how he, you know, runs the team this year. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great uh, call-out, bringing up Caleb Love. Uh, he's one of two freshman guards, along with R.J. Davis, who are going to be counted on a lot this season for North Carolina. Um, How much do you think R.J. Davis is going to play? I think he's going to. I think he's going to play a good bit. Uh, North Carolina is thin on the wings, especially with the news that come out recently. Uh, Anthony Harris, a reserve guard who looked good in spots last season. He won't be ready at the start of the season. He'll be coming along uh, soon, but Anthony Harris will not be ready right from the get-go. So it's going to be on the two freshman guards to to carry the load, along with Leaky Black, who's finally healthy. Um, so yeah, I also want to go back. I think that last season was very important, though, for Garrison Brooks. Um, Absolutely. Garrison Brooks. Yeah, he's a senior coming into this season. Uh, he has a lot to prove because he was kind of the guy along with Cole uh, last year. And quite frankly, he just, you know, he gave it, uh, he gave it a lot. He gave it his all, but he wasn't quite good enough to lead that team in a lot of wins. Uh, so I think this is a big year for Garrison Brooks. He came in, you know, he's been voted the ACC player of the year or preseason player of the year, I believe, which is pretty impressive. He has to sort of back that up and uh, prove it this year. Um, but, yeah, what else are you uh, looking at when you look yeah, at this uh, upcoming I'll season? For comment. I think Garrison Brooks had a similar trajectory of Bryce Johnson. When he came in as freshman, both of them were not very good. I have vivid memories of Bryce Johnson blowing wide-open dunks, couldn't even get the ball over the rim. Then he turned out to be a monster his, his final year. And Garrison Brooks last year was a big step forward. Um, obviously, you know, huge boost in rebounding, huge boost, boost in points per game. I don't know if I'm buying the ACC preseason player of the year. I think Caleb, Caleb Love's the best player on that team, and he's going to predominantly be the one shooting the ball and making things happen. But also, does Garrison Brooks scare you? Like, there are a lot of players on UNC that would scare me more than Garrison Brooks. I think he really did a good job of improving his mid-range, and, you know, he's super high motor. So he's get his stats, but he's not someone that I see taking over a game that, that's going to lead to wins. And you saw that last year. I don't. I know the rest of the team wasn't great, but Garrison Brooks did do everything, you know, in his power to at least make the games competitive. It didn't necessarily translate to wins. And so I see other people on your team, uh, Darren, Darren Sharp, uh, Walker Kessler. I think those are going to be bigger factors in your wins this year. Sharp is a freak athlete, great rim protector, more so than anyone else you have on your team. Um, someone he can roll him, him and Caleb Love in the pick and roll, I think is going to be dynamite this year. And then Walker Kessler is the most skilled person I think you have on, on their team, especially in the post. Um, and, you know, I read a lot about Armando Baycott. I'll be honest, I'm not sold on him at all. 
I don't think he's quick off the floor and he, he lacks a lot of athleticism that the others have. So, you know, one of the things I've always said about Roy is I don't think he's great at coaching the top talent. If you look at Harrison Barnes, you look at Nasir Little, and then last year, Cole Anthony. But I think what he does better than almost, if not every coach in the league, is develop a bench. And he's great at playing all of his, you know, most of his players throughout the season. And it helps, it really helps postseason time. So, well, I mean, with that comes senior loyalty sometimes to a fault. The year you had Cam Johnson, Luke May in his senior year, Nasir Little coming out of um, high school in the McDonald's All-American game, he, after that game, people said he was the best player on the floor. He outplayed Zion, outplayed RJ. And then the next, and through that season, you know, he played Luke May over Nasir Little, you know, the entire season. Nasir lost his confidence. And then you see what that, what that happened, or what happened at the end of the year. Zion drops, what, 30, 30 plus on him. Nasir can barely buy time on the floor. So, you know, I say all that to say, is Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott going to take minutes away from Sharp and from Kessler? Or are they going to be split time? Because if UNC plays Kessler and Sharp more so with, with, you know, Garrison Brooks and they even out minutes, I think UNC is going to be very dangerous. And Roy likes to coach with bigs and coach with rebounding. If you look at the year with Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks. Um, so, you know, we'll see if he has senior loyalty to a fault here. Um, but if not, I think UNC is going to be a very slept-on team. Yeah, and, and to that point, the front court is going to be very loaded for North Carolina, especially offensive rebounding. It's going to be a great offensive rebounding team. One little rumor there, I kind of or fluttering of news that I heard in the preseason that made me nervous. I heard some rumblings about Garrison Brooks shooting threes, and I want I want no <laughs> part of that. No part. <laughs> of Garrison going anywhere outside the paint. Uh, I do not want to see a Garrison Brooks at small forward lineup at all. Uh, I Maybe he has a good outside shot. I do not want to see that. If anything, I want to see uh, UNC go four out at times with Leaky Black at the four and be smaller. I do not want to see a super big lineup. I do not want to see Garrison Brooks taking any threes. Um, but I think that does speak to a strength of this North Carolina team. This is going to be a deep uh, team in the front court. And then in the back court, it's got to be on the freshman guards to get them the ball. Uh, you know, North Carolina has a complicated offense to run. Uh, it's not super easy. Uh, you've mentioned some of the freshman players earlier in, in the podcast already. It's not super easy for freshman guards to always pick up. Uh, so it's going to be uh, super important for UNC's young freshman guards to be able to understand, all right, Here's how I get the ball to the big men in this offense, because there's a lot of post-ups and, you know, you've got to be able to enter, give good entry passes so it's not just a turnover fest. I think that's going to be very important to watch. Um, I'm excited, though. The season starts Wednesday. UNC starts off by playing the College of Charleston Wednesday, November 25th, and then they jump into uh, one of the tournaments. They play UNLV. Uh, and they also have a non-conference slate of Iowa and Ohio State. Uh, this is all, of course, for now, depending on how the seasons go. It's going to be a crazy season. But I think we're going to get to be able to watch uh, North Carolina at least a little bit. And, uh, you know, we'll really get to – we'll know a lot more about this team after those first few games. We'll be able to tell pretty quickly uh, whether or not the freshman guards are 
are ready for prime time and how this front court is going to look. John, give me your one word description for UNC. My one word description would be big. I think this is a big That's team. Funny. I have big. Yeah, I agree. I have big teams down. Is... You said deep yeah. earlier, and I disagree with that. And so I was wondering if you would say deep. I have big written down because you can switch out basically four people in the front court. Um, the yeah. reason I disagree with deep is because you're extremely thin at guard. And that's actually, in my opinion, beneficial for Caleb Love because that's exactly how he wants to play. Um, if you're, if, you know, UNC fans are thinking, can he be everything Cole wasn't? Can he run the team? Will it translate to wins? With this team, I don't think he has to be that much of a facilitator because on the perimeter, there's not many options that are going to go get you a bucket. I mean, I assume UNC is going to play inside out, but Caleb Love is a very high volume shooter. He'll pull up six feet behind the line. Um, I think he's got to dial that in. He shot, you know, last Nike eyeball under 30% from three. But I assume that that's just high volume bad shots um, that he'll get better selections throughout throughout his his year at UNC. But I I agree. My one word description is big. Yeah, I think something that's interesting, uh, you know, to think about a little bit as well is, you know, what role does Leaky Black play on this team? Because he's another big guy. He's uh, six foot eight, um, and he can play some point guard. So. Uh, he is also the most experienced guard at this point. So he might be, you know, leaned on early on in the season um, to really play a lot of minutes at point guard, uh, to to get the team into its half-court sets, to initiate the offense in that way. And he's going to be valuable on the defensive end as well. He's someone who, uh, while, you know, battling through injuries last year, he was still a force on the defensive end, um, averaged over one steal per game last season. So I think that he's going to be an important part of that equation as well. And I agree. I can hear every UNC fan's prayer right now, hoping he's not the next JP Tokido. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He's a little taller and not, he can't dunk as well as Tokido, but. Let's go ahead and dive into Duke. Uh, John, what do you have a one word description for Duke this season? I would say my one word description for Duke is unique. And here's why I say that. And I'm excited mm -hmm. to hear your one word as well. This is yeah. a unique team for Coach K. Uh, he has, especially the last few seasons, relied on elite freshman talent to carry uh, this team. And, you know, in this 2020-2021 season, He's got kind of an interesting mix of high-impact freshmen, someone like Jalen Johnson, still very talented. But he also finally has some guys who actually returned and decided to come back. Wendell Moore, Matthew Hurt, Joey Baker, Jordan Goldwire. He actually has some senior players who have been in his system uh, to, to be around and to actually work with. So that's exciting for Coach K, I bet. And that's what makes this Duke team unique compared to the last few seasons. What's your word, Tyler? That's really funny you mentioned that. I have two, I was really battling between two different words. First, I thought deep. I think like like last year, Duke's 10 to 11 deep. They're going to be playing, hopefully Coach K will be playing 10 to 11 guys throughout the whole year. Um, but then I kind of changed it. And you said unique, maybe a little smarter than me. I just said different. And my reason was, 
players are finally returning. For the first time in seemingly the whole decade, we're not relying on four or five freshman starters. Um, and so, yeah, my word is different. We'll see how how well four returners, you know, gel with a lot of the freshmen that are coming in. Uh, but, yeah, I think we're on the same page here, unique, different. From uh, from my perspective, um, as someone who is uh, keeping a close eye on on Duke from a from a UNC perspective, uh, I'm excited that Jordan Goldwire is returning. I think Coach K should actually start Jordan Goldwire and play him all 40 minutes a game. Uh, you know, senior. Who, uh, <laughs> you know, you know he he he's a he's a good basketball player. You know, but I, I wouldn't mind if he played every minute of every single game. And I'd love to see Andrew Playtech play all 40 minutes too. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't mention Playtech. We love Playtech. Playtech has to be the greatest practice player in history because apparently he makes every shot in practice, but he can't make a single one in a game. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, it, you got people flying at you when you're in the real game. You uh, you're gonna miss Javin Delorier and Jack White, but I have a feeling you're gonna miss Trey Jones, Vernon Carey, Cassius Stanley. A little bit more. Um, Trey Jones was so important to this team uh, last season. He was the, you know, the leader of this team, the point guard. Um, he, uh, you know, just like his brother, an extremely talented, but also a very smart player. So that's sort of the heart and soul of this team. I'm interested to see sort of what who this team coalesces around um, this season. They've got sort of that interesting mix we've already talked about. Um, Tyler, which player sort of stands out to you uh, as you look at this roster uh, for Duke? Yep, real quick, I just want to mention, I did not lose any sleep over losing Jack White and Delorier. I'm excited to see who fills in. Um, yeah, so I'm going to dive into this roster a little bit. So starting with Coach K, I hope he plays this team much like he did the last, this last season. Coach K has gotten in this bad habit recently of, playing a bunch of the freshmen, 38, 40 minutes. And he says the best players have to play. Well, it's not a shock that we're not going deep in the tournament when they have tired legs and we don't have any player development. We ended up getting more transfers in the last decade than we've had in a while. So, you know, I'm glad that last season he committed to playing, I believe, 8 to 10 deep and cycling him through. I saw a lot of improvement with a lot of the bench players. I'm hoping that continues. And I believe it will because we don't have a, a big star like we've had in the past. Um, you know, a big marquee guy, I guess a lot of people are piping up is Wendell Moore. He still has, I saw questions about him because he's never been a great shooter. And if you're going to be a big guard, but you can't shoot that, you know, he's going to lead to a lot of problems down the road. So he didn't take a lot last year. I thought he was okay when he did take a spot up shot, but people would give him feet of space and he's still forced to drive. Um, you know, he had some really, I'd say, pretty pretty good games, and then also games where he's non-existent. So I, I'm looking for consistency from him. Um, I think the biggest thing about Wendell Moore is how underrated he is as a defender. I think he was almost as important as Trey Jones as an on-ball defender and almost as good as him as an on-ball defender. So him being in lineup is going to be good for us matching up with the bigger wings. Um, that, I guess, leads me into – Jay Gold, Jordan Goldwire, just because he's also a great on-ball defender. My issue with Goldwire is 
he started really buying into his expanded role. His role is perfect when it's take the limited, wide open, spot up shots, run the offense, and play full court defense. And I love Jordan Goldwire when he does that. He started, I, I understand he was asked to do a lot more offensively last year, but I still don't want to see him taking 10 shots a game. That's why you want him playing 40 minutes a game. I don't want to see that. Um, and then I look at Matthew Hurt, again, inconsistent. He needed to bulk up this year. And from what I've seen, he put on a lot of fat, didn't put on a lot of muscle. So I don't know if he was really hitting the weights over the lockdown, but he's definitely eating. I don't think that's going to help him much. To me, he, Matthew Hurt is a less fluid Kevin Love, below the rim player, but skilled in many ways. He does stretch the floor, though. So when he's on, he's, he really does a lot for his space and offensively. And then last is Joey Baker. He is big because he's one of two like knockdown shooters Duke has. His issue, in my opinion, is lack of athleticism, both on the defensive end and also on offense. If people are just going to play his shot, is he going to be able to start taking it to the rack or stopping for a pull-up mid-range jumper, which I didn't really see a lot of last year. He did occasionally, but not consistently. So looking for improvement with those uh, players in those areas. Getting into the new guys, Jalen Johnson, I love. With the, he has an NBA frame already, 6'9", freakish athlete. He's someone I think when we play Syracuse would be huge because he'll destroy the zone in the middle, much like Zion did. Big question mark with him is can he, sh can he shoot? Can he get out of his shooting slump? In high school, I don't think he shot better than – he really didn't shoot threes at all, but definitely didn't shoot better than 30%. Um, that's been an issue with a lot of the – Duke shooters recently. We don't have kind of ironic with how usually Duke would be seen as, you know, three and D type guys, but recently they've been more athletes that aren't able to shoot. So, you know, that's a worry, a worrisome part of his game. To offset that, DJ Stewart's coming in as a knockdown shooter, slasher. Um, Jamin Brakefield, Henry Coleman, going to be great energy guys off the bench. Henry Coleman's a little undersized. For a four, we're at six, seven. Jamie Brakefield's a little bigger. Um, and then Patrick Tepe, transferred from Columbia, is another big body. And the scrimmages that I've seen, he doesn't look very comfortable. Um, so we'll see how he fits into the offense. For the first time in a long time, Duke has a seven-foot center in Mark Williams, who I'm hoping could be the one rim protector we need on the team. I've seen scrim the scrimmage highlights. It doesn't look like he gets off the floor very fast. so. I don't know how great of a rim protector he'll be, but he is a seven-foot big, something Duke hasn't had in a long time. So that's my thoughts on the roster. What do you think? Yeah, I actually want to go back to a point you made earlier on. Um, first of all, great analysis about Duke. I think it's definitely going to be a very interesting season for them. But you brought up the point of, you know, the the depth on this team and, you know, some of the experience that this team this Duke team has that the last few years didn't. I think that's a really interesting point because you look at the Duke rosters the past, you know, five, six years. Since winning the national championship in 2015, Duke has not made a Final Four. And they have had these really unique rosters where they've relied so heavily on a subset of freshman stars, um, complemented. Uh, in the early years by, you know, Grayson Allen. But in the last few years, they really haven't been complimented by any sort of veteran 
uh, star players for the most part. And I think it's led to a really unbalanced uh, Duke team. So they've gotten all the accolades for recruiting and they got Zion and they were the talk of the college basketball world. But they really, the last five, six years, have not been able to back it up with results in March, which is you know ultimately where it counts. I think last year's Duke team was a strong contender. They would have potentially gotten to the Final Four without uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic. So the point doesn't hold up completely. But I think, Tyler, you would agree, Coach K's strongest teams in 2015, uh, earlier than that, they have a lot of uh, depth at the you know juniors, seniors who are contributors. They're not just playing because they have to, uh, but they're playing because they're good and they're strong. So I think that this Duke team has that again. I think that's going to be really uh, a welcome sight for Duke fans. They have some experience back. Someone like, you know, Matthew Hurt, he's got a whole season to get better. He understands the offense a lot more. So I'm expecting a lot more out of him. What you said about Wendell Moore, too, I think was really interesting. Um, I, I still, you know, he's was very highly recruited out of high school. So I still uh, sort of believe in his potential. Um, so I think he's going to be a really interesting player. I also want to take a, a quick look at Duke's schedule. I think they have kind of an interesting schedule. Um, first of all, the first thing that jumps out to me is somehow Duke has magically avoided a road game again against anyone who's good. Yeah, and I, maybe you get a pass this year for the coronavirus pandemic, but uh, still, seven home games well, is their non-conference no road game from one of the voters. <laughs> they're 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 non-conference slate though. They play Gardner Webb, uh, Coppin State, Bellarmine, which I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't know that was a school before this podcast. Are you going to mention our ranked non-conference games, or just go through the low lights? That's true. You play you play Michigan State and you play uh, Illinois. Michigan State on Tuesday, December first, and you play Elon on or excuse me, uh, you play Illinois on Tuesday, December eighth. So those are two challenging games. Absolutely, I want to give you credit for those two games. And scheduling this year is a total mess. Um, so I think once we get into yeah, ACC, Illinois, Illinois is ranked preseason eight. Michigan State is ranked preseason thirteen. If I'm not mistaken, UNC only plays two ranked non-conference opponent teams as well. Iowa, right? And forget the second one. Yeah. UNC does play uh, Tech again. UNC plays Iowa on the road and Ohio State at a a neutral uh, site. So, yes, UNC also is in a preseason tournament. So I think UNC's, uh, you know, non-conference slate will be a little bit more challenging than Duke's, but that's okay. Honestly, UNC needs those challenges early on uh, to whip the team into shape and to get ready for ACC play, which starts before Christmas this year. It's a little bit of a weird year um, before the teams jump into their ACC slate. And, you know, we should, of course, include the caveat with the schedule, just like with college football. It's going to be a total mess. Everyone's going to be canceling games. Uh, so moving games around. So we just got to kind of build that into our expectations of how the season is going to go. We have no crowds or little crowds in all the games this year. How do you think that's going to affect these teams? What type of team is going to succeed in this this kind of environment? 
Yeah, I think that's fascinating. Um, it's different even than college football, where college football, the season started off with some empty stadiums, but eventually, um, you know, there are starting to be limited fans. I think most college basketball games this season will be basically in empty gyms. So teams like Duke, which have amazing home court advantages, are at a huge loss. Um, and I think it goes beyond just home court advantage and having a crowd. I think that the preseason practice has been greatly impacted. So I think any team that has veterans um, or a team that has, you know, lots of returning starters, four or five returning starters, I think they're going to benefit. Um, and a team that has a lot of freshmen, uh, even though they might not have to deal with a hostile crowd, I think it's still going to be more challenging for freshmen this season than it has been in years past. What's your take on the coronavirus uh, crowdless stadiums, Tyler? Who do you think is going to uh, benefit? I have the same view. I think the teams with a, a lot of turnover, a lot of there's some teams in the bottom of the ACC with seven or eight guys that have transferred a completely new roster. Those teams will struggle, I think. A lot of the teams that have a lot of freshmen. UNC has, what, eight freshmen this year? Um, yeah. Duke has a number of freshmen. Those kind of teams are going to struggle, in my opinion, because those freshmen don't know how to get up for every single game. If you listen to them in previous seasons, even though the coaches will tell them, this is how you lose, this is how you get upset. You're not taking these games seriously. You think you're going to you know, blow this team out and they come out and upset you. A lot of the freshmen don't understand that, but the upperclassmen do. So even though there are some teams out there that I don't think would be an elite team with a regular season, this year I think they're going to succeed way more than they would have in the past. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's going to be a great season of college basketball, though. Just like we've seen with college football, the teams have been extremely diligent about um, masking up and doing everything they can to play as many games as they can. I think we're going to have the same thing with college basketball. Um, it's going to be a really exciting season, lots of upsets early on. And then as we transition into conference play, I think it's going to be a pretty strong competition all the way across the board. Um, on that note, yeah, Tyler, give me one overrated team and give me one underrated team and why in the ACC. Yeah, you're talking ACC at large. I would say um, my underrated team in the ACC is actually Syracuse. They're not getting much preseason buzz at all, um, but I really think they have a really strong player to build around in uh, Joe Girard. He's a you know big-time scorer, sophomore year for him, so he should make a big leap. They've got a strong supporting cast around him with uh, Buddy Boheim. Boheim. And then also, of course, their 2-3 zone. That's going to be able to work uh, no matter where they are, no matter who they're playing. Uh, that type of defense, I think, is going to work this season, especially if the schedule gets scrambled around and you're not able to prepare like you normally would uh, for a team. That's my underrated team. Um, I think my overrated team, I don't know how much I believe in Virginia at this point. I think Virginia, um, you know, the nature of their their team uh, they have sort of, they're known as a system team with uh, Tony Bennett's system, their pace. But I think they don't have as much uh, high-level talent as they've had in past seasons. They've had a lot of NBA draft picks uh, taken off uh, their roster in recent years. And I don't know uh, if there's anybody who's that talented, that NBA-type talented, who's going to be able to get buckets for them in the same way. 
Uh, Kihei Clark, of course, at point guard, he's very tough. Um, and Jay Huff at center, he's a very solid option for them. But I don't know how much I believe in Virginia at this point. I want to see um, more from them before I'm ready to pencil them in at the top of the ACC. How about you, Tyler? I'm going to start with overrated because I completely agree with Virginia. Number four preseason rank, I think, is honestly a joke. They were not very good last year, and they essentially have the same team, minus Diakite, minus Braxton Key. Um, they added Sam Hauser. They're, they're hoping to have, you know, a big jump from Kia Clark and Brandon Huff. I love Huff. I think he is a fantastic big. He can stretch the floor. Um, very savvy on defense as well. I, I, I would buy him to him as someone that can carry the team. I don't think Clark has ever been that guy. He's a ferocious defender, um, you know, kind of a, a mini miniature guard, but he's kind of dynamite. But he's never someone that I have considered will go get you a bucket, someone that will, you know, that you fear to have the ball in their hands. Um, that's not really his role. Really in the Virginia offense, it's, you know, share the ball, slow paced. They won a ton of close games last year, pretty ugly games. I don't see them being better this year, even though I still don't, I, I think there will be a, a kind of a down year like it was last year, but I, I'm just not scared of Virginia. And I've seen them top four. Um, really, really is a shock to me. So then I'll go to my underrated team. I'm looking at Georgia Tech, still one that is picked as the, you know, preseason ranking, probably a bottom five in the ACC. They gave a lot of tough top ACC teams, tough games. I look at DeVoe, I look at, um, Alvarado. They are excellent guards and they can do everything, score at every level, share the ball well. They have um, three top four scores, three of their top four rebounders, um, all top five of their assist guards um, returning. So they're one of the teams that I see that has a lot of senior leadership, a lot of guys returning that know how to play with each other, and that gave people tough games last year. I know Duke struggled with them. That was a fantastic game. So, you know, ceiling may not be win the ACC, but can they finish in the, you know, upper middle pack or maybe sneak into the bottom tier or the bottom of the top tier of the ACC, um, you know, that's a big possibility. I don't know what your ceiling for Syracuse is, but I think people not believing in Georgia Tech to give a lot of the top teams tough games is a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when Georgia Tech came into to Chapel Hill, uh, the UNC fan base was not a big fan of Alvarado. He was causing trouble with Joel Berry at the time. He's a good player, and, you know, that's a senior point guard in a crazy uh, season upcoming that's going to be valuable to have. All right, John, let's close this out with ACC final standing proje projections. Who is your winner of the ACC? Yeah. And will, so I think will a NCAA championship come out of the ACC? I do not think the ACC, or excuse me, I do not think the NCAA championship will come out of the ACC this season. I think this could be the year that one of the small schools uh, wins it for a variety of factors, but also, uh, or most importantly, the biggest is continuity. A lot of the uh, smaller schools, they're the ones that have four, five returning starters. I think this could be the year. It's too early to tell who it is. I think this could be the year that a non-Power 5 school wins the title. In terms of the ACC, um, my prediction 
uh, for number one on top of the uh, ACC standings is Duke, actually. I think Duke has the right mix of returning talent, as we've talked about, and superstar freshmen. I do really want to see what their freshmen look like in game action. I think we'll know a lot more after we see them play a few games, see what their freshmen have. But Duke is my pick uh, for ACC champion at this stage. A little surprising, right, Tyler, that I would, I would pick them, but no. Not surprised at all because they're the best team. But I will say, I think you slept on at 16. I think they could end the season top 10 easily. Um, mm -hmm. When I think about the team that will finish first in the ACC, I the reason I considered Virginia a bit was because there's no crowd and they do have seniors and they know how to get up for every game and win ugly. But I'm still not sold on them. The my issue with UNC, my only issue with them is the lack of guard play. If Caleb, God forbid, Caleb Love gets in trouble, who's going to run that offense? And you do run inside out, I think this year, which will help you. But I think the the lack of depth at the guard position could be an issue at some point. Um, so I will go with Duke kind of by default. I think it's going to be another down year where the team that is in first place could still have four or five losses. Um, but I just don't see a super deep conference. FSU, even though they're deep, usually they still lost a ton of people with Forrest, um, Patrick Williams, and Vassal. So I think Duke has potential to be the most well-rounded of all the teams. Um, I still think they'll lose their fair share of games, but I do see them ending on top. And I think the Duke-UNC matchup is going to decide who wins the ACC. And then I agree. I don't think the ACC is going to put out the NCAA championship this year. I look at a team like Wisconsin maybe or, or Baylor, um, maybe one of the smaller schools. You're right. I don't see Gonzaga. They're preseason number one. I'm very rarely sold on Gonzaga, especially not this year. So. Yeah, I believe we're on the same page. Um, Duke, number one, as always. Maybe not to win the championship, but definitely in the ACC. Absolutely. And we're excited. We're going to do this podcast, uh, releasing it on Mondays moving forward all throughout the college basketball season. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star rating and a comment on the Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps us a lot. Um, thanks for listening to the first episode. And Tyler, I'll leave it to you to sign off. Yep. Thank you all. Be sure to tune in next week after the first week of games. See you all there. <laughs>